0: Hello and welcome to Kingdom Conversations, a ministry of Faith Covenant Church. We are so excited to have you today as we talk about all things related to the kingdom of God. Hello and welcome back to Kingdom Conversations. Uh, Today we have It is such a deep conversation. It's one that is very relevant probably to any church, any season, any culture, any time in history. We're going to be talking about what do Christians do with conflict? What do Christians do with conflict? How do we handle that? And what I love about today is I don't want to talk about the good Sunday school girl answer or guy answer, but what does scripture tell us we can do so that we can live in unity, so that we can experience the fullness of Christ and the peace and Deal with hurt feelings in a way that they don't dominate us, that we're controlled by the Holy Spirit. So, with that said, um, I'm so grateful to have Pastor Kevin and Pastor James back again. And I just thought I would start off by saying, How would you, I'm going to start with Pastor James, how would you define an offense? What is an offense?
1: I think an offense could be a couple different things. I think one, it could be when someone sins against you, um, that they've done something that biblically is wrong. I think it could also be something they've done that's maybe not a sin, but it hurts your feelings and it causes you to perhaps sin against them Mm -hmm. with um, feelings of hatred or anger. I think it's anything like that. It could be a sin or it could be not a sin, but something that causes a rift or a break in your relationship with them.
0: I like that a lot. Um, Kevin, would you expound on that, like talking about those two different categories? What does that look like?
1: Yeah, I'll use an
2: analogy. I I went to college at the University of South Florida for a season, and there were guys that lived across the hall from me, and they were from Boston. And what's interesting is they decided to put a carpet in their room, and they were pretty gross. And they (laughs) Uh, Guys were in and out of the room because they had the only gaming console on the floor at that time It was still a new thing and so people were in and out of that from outside all the time And what they did was dirt got all over the floor and they had a white carpet and they began to lift up the carpet and sweep that dirt under the carpet (laughs) and Just that's how they clean the room and they did that the whole year long to answer your question It's the dirt And so in our lives, sometimes we track it in. Sometimes other people track it in. Sometimes it's big pieces or small pieces. Offense can be all sorts of different sizes. Uh, Offenses are different for different people. What might offend me might not offend someone else for whatever reason. But there is usually a hurt or a relational break for some reason that stops us from connecting to one another and hinders our relationship with God.
0: I love that analogy, that picture, because I think that everybody can relate to that. So if we were looking at Matthew 18, can we read that and kind of get started? Let's talk about the offense that this is talking about and then biblically how we can handle that. So if you're listening, audience, I hope you have your Bible. Um, and if you are driving and you get home to be able to read through God's word on your own as well. But right now, Pastor Kevin, can you read for us Matthew 18?
2: Yeah, so the context here, remember, Jesus has just finished teaching about, hey, anyone who causes little ones to stumble, he he does and teaches about this and he gives a parable. Then he does the parable of the wandering sheep. Hey, if you've got a hundred. And, and one wanders away, right after that in Matthew is when it comes to dealing with sin in the church, which is very interesting that that's the context. But it says, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Truly, I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them." Mm.
0: Okay. So looking at that, I'm sure the two of you both have, um, situations where probably see lots of different people, lots of different situations. What are some common conflicts that you hear about?
2: Oh gosh. Huh.
0: I wish you could see their mean, faces. Yes. Cause I,
2: I mean, you could go anything from gossip because mm. churches are known to be, um, right. big on gossip. Especially
0: if you say, uh, Hey, would you pray for such and such? Or right. God bless them. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Or i I just need to vent, yeah, or oh. mm-hmm. can I get your opinion, which really just a way to tell you something, but I've never I'm no I'm not planning on going to the other person, right. nor will I go to the other person. I just want you to be on my side. Mm. So we've got sins that happen in marriage where um, when I say big sins, I think everybody knows what I mean. We're not ranking them as far as that goes, but the natural consequences of something like adultery. Is larger than lying, the natural sometimes. Right. Or deception. I mean, it uses the word sin. So there are things that we, you know, we're told to that we don't. There's things we don't do that we should do. There's some things we should stop doing. And so sin is a pretty all encompassing word. Very broad. Yeah. Very
0: broad. Yeah. Yeah. So in this place, um, Matthew 18, somebody offends me. And it says scripturally that I'm to go to that person one-on-one. So what happens when I go? um, No, I'm going to, I'm sorry, the Lord just brought this to mind. What is a way to go to that person to resolve conflict? Because I've done it wrong and then, um, and sometimes the Lord allows me to get it right. What does it look like when you go and you want to really resolve conflict? What would that conversation look like?
2: I would say the first thing you're assuming something, I think... The assumption is people don't want to go Mm. because you offended me. So I'm going to sit here with my arms crossed and wait for you to crawl back on your knees to me (laughs) and tell me how, what a terrible person you are. And then I will deem whether I think what you're saying to me is worthy of forgiveness. Okay. We don't. That's wrong. Say that, yeah. (laughs) I I don't know that we would say it like that, but I think that's exactly what we do Mm because most people do not, when they're offended, they're going, why why am I initiating? Why do I have to do anything? I'm the one that was, I'm the victim.
1: Mm. Right, and we go to others and complain, can you believe what he said to me, what he did to me, what she did? And we go... Rather than going to the person, we go to others and start griping or we, quote unquote, ask for prayer requests, you know, pray for her because she's mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And I think part of spiritual maturity is even though you don't want yes. to, going to the person. Even if it's uncomfortable. <laughs> even if it's uncomfortable and awkward.
2: Yeah. Because part of moving, which we talked about in a previous podcast in these five C's, one yeah. of them is presenting a request to God. Mm-hmm. So the spiritually mature would say, Father, this relationship matters. Yeah my hurt is real. I, I'm, I'm grieving over what has been said or done to me, but I, f- I see value in here. And God, There's, the world around me handles conflict one way, but your word, if it's true, says conflict should be handled a different way. And if I'm as mature as I want to believe that I am, then God give me a heart of compassion, of grace, and humility, and patience to go and begin a conversation so that the world can look at me and this other person and go, how did that happen? And they can testify because of God's glory.
0: I love that. What do you do if it, if it isn't a sin, but they're still an offense? How do you keep a short account? What does that look like? Is that different than Matthew 18?
2: Well, because when you go back to them, you can go back to that person in Scripture. Then how it walks through Matthew 18, its process that Jesus is teaching on does look different because I'm going back not as you've sinned against me. I'm going back going, boy, you made me think. You mm. challenged my thoughts. Mm-hmm. You pushed me in ways that I don't like to be pushed. I didn't like that. But really, the spiritually mature goes, thank you. Yeah you've yes. helped me think differently yes. and grow. And so there's that's why you have to sit for a second and go am i is there a sin here or did i just did my preferences get challenged?
0: Oh, I like that. Did my preferences get challenged? Cuz that happens to all of us all the time.
2: Absolutely.
0: Mm, okay. So Let's say reconciliation happens, and I want to talk about that. There's a just between reconciliation and restoration. Absolutely. Tell me the difference in those two things.
2: Well, I think there's times when I can, ex- it goes back to to the relationship. So reconciliation would be that the relationship goes back to exactly as it was before. Okay. And so sometimes that's not how it works relationally. Sometimes if a couple, if there's been trauma in a marriage and for whatever reason they got a divorce, whether we agree with that reason or not, um, maybe the spouses have remarried, they can still do the work of repentance. Gotcha. They can still do the the work of redeeming a relationship, but the relationship won't be reconciled because one of the spouses has remarried. Gotcha. That's so so good. It is different.
0: Um, Okay. So let's say they go to one another and... There has not been a place of true forgiveness. And now Matthew 18 says the next step would be?
2: Well, after I've identified as a sin, it doesn't say we go to one another. What it says is I go to the other person. The other person might Mm. not be aware that they've sinned against me. Okay. They, for whatever reason, maybe they're aloof to it. Um, Maybe what came out of their mouth was different than what was in their heart. And so I took it away. So I go to them and say, hey, listen, here is what was said, or here's what was done. And that hurt me like this. Mm. And so not only do you point out the sin, you explain this idea of this is what broke our relationship, and this is how it broke that relationship, because a person can't seek the four steps of repentance and forgiveness, one of the things is if the relationship is going to lead to reconciliation, they have to be able to say, hey, yes, I did that and it hurt you like that. Please forgive me. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. And you can't seek forgiveness if you don't know what you're, you know, yeah. I can't go to my wife and go, well, I don't know what I did, but I'm sorry. Yeah.
0: I'm sorry it made you feel that way. No, <laughs>
2: <Right. That, laughs> oh, don't say that. that, that would not, at least in my house, that is not <laughs> how that's going to work. Yeah. No, so no. I think there's, an idea because it gives the brother or the sister mm-hmm. the chance to go,
0: wow, Yeah.
2: I had no idea. Yes. And that's believing the best. So right. Matthew 18 has the assumption behind its language of believing the best. When I go, they will go. I am so sorry. I, I didn't mean it. Or I, th- there's something else happening that they can share. Or yeah, I blew it. Yeah, I totally blew it. I was angry and I said those things, or I did those things, or I was, um, I was in a bad place. I'm not making an excuse, but yes, I did those things. Yeah. And then we can move on.
0: Yes. Um, and so then let's say all of that, what would be the next step if that doesn't?
2: Well, the interesting thing is when they get that, because it says if they listen to you, you've won them over. Mm-hmm. You're back with a reconciled relationship. And now, I, you know, if my memory serves, scripture talks about the wounds of a friend. And what that does and how we grow deeper because we've been through some things yes. together and I know their heart and their willingness to grow and change. That's really critical. But after that, if they don't listen, it says, take one or two others along. I would insert what Jesus is implying is take a second and pray and think because you don't take anyone with you. right? You don't take a posse with you. Right. You don't take Facebook and Instagram with you. Right. You... You find a couple people who are spiritually mature, which we've talked about before, who will go and will able to listen to this matter to make sure that there's not a communication error, that maybe you're speaking Spanish and they're speaking English and it's breaking down someplace and there's something else happening that maybe another fresh set of spiritually mature eyes will see and go, you know... Maybe both of you have issues. So it's not, let me bring my posse with me to prove to you why I'm right and you're wrong. That's That's not what he's after.
0: And I think that's important because I think in church culture, we read that verse and we're going to grab our two... I think it is the posse mentality of going in to correct this person rather than consider that maybe it is a communication issue. For sure. Two sides
2: to every story. So the idea is, will these people listen and go tell me what happened okay tell me what happened oh i see the perspective i see Mm -hmm. how you guys are viewing this through a different lens i think we view our world through different lenses and that's a big thing in 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 our social construct today is this idea of how do i view the world and trying to understand oh that's how they saw the situation yeah um so that we can get to clarity
1: right yeah i had a friend um a few weeks ago that had got a text from another friend that they were just really upset about and felt it was passive aggressive and undermining them and attacking them. And before they responded, they showed me the text and said, Hey, can you read this as an outsider? to see what you think. And I read the text and had a totally different take on it Mm. than they had, that if they had just responded to that text, Mm. they would have, I think, misread what the person was doing. But with going to a second or third party and saying, hey, can I get your insight on this? They were able to see, hey, maybe this other friend was not being as aggressive or antagonistic as I thought they were. Perhaps I just misread them. And I think that's where the two or three to come in to say, hey, you're a great example. Maybe you're taking this a little wrong.
2: Yes, because I think when, especially with things like that, when you're hungry, angry, lonely, and tired, you read your text as if you're hungry, angry, lonely, <laughs> or tired. That's- so if you're in a bad mood, you read the text, they're yelling at you. Yes. They're not. They might not be. And so that's the difficulty with, with this speaks to proximity relational conflict resolution
0: and that's powerful because there's a lot of conflict going on online and it's just not the same thing as the proximity nowhere
2: together. is there ever mm-hmm. a time that i should be posting my conflict online
0: correct. yeah yeah well, i say correct but it happens yeah
1: every day I, I, you don't screenshot it you don't screenshot it and then put well, it out there for the world to see. <laughs> yeah that's
2: that's never going to go well because these witnesses that come back what they do is they sit there because these Independent witnesses who are spiritually mature have to give testimony to the church because that's the next step. They have to go, I sat and I listened. And man, something's going on in their heart. And we begged them. We pleaded with them. We compelled them through prayer and groanings of the Holy Spirit. And they would not listen. They would not repent. They would not see their sin. And so they testify before the body, not just the offended, because... Otherwise, it's a skewed perspective.
0: That's so good. It's bringing that community aspect. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we've done all of the. We're we're progressing along, and now you've brought in two or three. What's next?
2: Well, and if they don't listen, the next thing would be prayer. Okay. Because the idea is how. Because the ultimate outcome of the, of this whole passage is, you want the body to stay unified. You don't want the body to stay uniform which Ooh. is different. Mm. And so we want to be unified to go, hey, we're gonna be a brother or sister for all eternity. Yeah. So how can we reconcile in a way that's honoring to God and proclaims his glory to the world around? And so after you pray to go, when we go to the church, how do we do this in a loving God honoring way? And so the church doesn't come as a chaotic mob, as the old Western posse that's going to lynch someone. They come going, we want to compel you as your family, mm-hmm. your eternal family, see it, yeah. own it. It's okay. We love you. You're allowed to make mistakes. It stinks and it's hard, but but we can't live in this. We yeah. can't sit in this. You matter. I, I love you, but I love you enough not to leave you like this yes. in your sin.
0: Yeah,
2: And that's important.
0: Yeah, because we can come as we are, but we don't want to stay as we are. We want to be changed through all of this. And then the final step of that is...
2: So And if they refuse, it says, to even listen to the church, which would be the elders and the body, it would be treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Other passages it talks about, you cast them outside of the church. The Catholic Church took its word excommunication from this. Mm -hmm, But mm -hmm. the idea is you put them out, but you put them out with an eye on them. See, in those days, if you stepped outside of the church... Once you became a Christian, you, you were ostracized from your community. And so you depended on this church community for your livelihood, for your relationships. And if you were pushed outside of that community, now you're outside of all community, the community you used to have and your new mm-hmm. one. And that's a very dark, that can be a very depressing and dangerous place. Yeah. And so the church is to step away so that they realize what life is like outside of a god honoring body but keep an eye on them because when they turn we grab them and we bring them right back in and rejoice
0: um in what, what is that scripture that it talks about wasn't there a a son-in-law who had an affair with his mom
2: yeah that's first the the difference between first Corinthians and second Corinthians about 18 months between those books and he was like hey listen you can't have a relationship like that and apparently by second Corinthians, he had repented of that, both of them had, and they were back in the church in some way because the church had done this church discipline. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think reason why I started my definition with my college buddies is sweeping things under the rug at mm. the end of the semester has to, eventually it's going to get cleared out. Yeah. It makes the rug dirty and mm-hmm. it's nasty. And when they moved out and they lifted up that rug, all that stuff was under there. And while I was headed home for the summer, literally they were shoveling dirt. They had a flat blade space and they were wow. scraping the ground and putting it in garbage cans. There was that much dirt in their room that they were working it. The air had been turned off. And I thought, that's what we do. Yes. We don't do Matthew 18, so we sweep it under a rug. It never gets dealt with. And so you talk about keeping short accounts. I would use that with an empty barrel.
0: Yeah. Well, it's funny that you say that because I was going to ask you about, and then I'm going to come to Pastor James to talk about the difference between sin and then irritation, offenses, short accounts. But you talk about, and I, I, I want you to explain what it means to have a barrel. And when you try to empty it out all at once because you've been storing up what is that?
2: Yeah, so if I have a barrel, and I, we usually think of a big, like a cask barrel, a really big barrel, one of those, I mean, it probably holds, I don't know, 40 gallons or something. And you're sitting there, and when, Mary, you say something that I don't like, I put up my barrel. It hurts me, but I don't address it with you. I put up my barrel. And then you do something, and maybe it's not big, but I put up my barrel. And over time, I just keep filling this barrel until one day the barrel fills up high enough and I go to you and I turn that barrel upside down and I dump out and Mary, you did this and you did this. So I, yes, I go to you, but I'm just dumping stuff and you like, I didn't even know I did that. 12
0: years ago. Right. Right. What,
2: what is happening? (laughs) That is unhealthy. The, the idea is I need to keep a very, very, very small cup. Yeah. So when something goes in there, it fills it up right away. And I deal with that right now, nothing else will fit in that cup. So it doesn't build up because What happens is I grow in bitterness and I never get better. And that is, that's one of the things damaging the church today is we're carrying around big barrels and we're not dealing with it. And then we're telling everyone else about it, which means now you're building your barrel because you heard that I'm talking to them about it. And then one day when we sit down together, it takes five meetings for 90 minutes each to get through an issue that was really a small issue, but it's 12 years of damage.
0: Yeah. And you're carrying the heaviness. Absolutely.
2: That you. And you have no freedom and Satan laughs.
0: Yeah. So with that, when there's an irritation, let's say it's not a sin issue, but it is, you're irritated with somebody. I think of that verse where it says, a person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. That is a tough verse to overlook an offense because we like to roll around with our offenses, don't we? Like it feels good for a minute to do that. How do you overlook an offense, James?
1: I think part of it is when it's, like you said, when it's not a sin, overlooking the offense is seeing, hey, it could be immaturity. It could be ignorance on their part. It could just be they were having a bad day. Overlooking the offense is where 1 Corinthians 13 talks talks about love believes all things. That's believing the best. That, hey, they probably did not... Try to hurt my feelings. They were not trying to attack me. They were having a bad day. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt that it's not a sin. But that, I think that's why you go to them and talk to them to see hey, was this an intentional trying to get me or was it just an incidental something they said that they didn't mean? It helps you to clarify, it helps you to figure that out. It also helps you to understand maybe they're just a spiritually immature person and maybe they didn't see, and it gives you a chance to build into them to reconcile the relationship to help it grow stronger. So I think that's the importance of going to them because if not, if you just sit there in your bed, you start stewing and you start building in your mind, and then you go to your friend and they say, oh, yeah, they said this one to me too, and now the two of you are going back and forth, and it just builds up bigger and bigger, and you've created in your mind this huge thing And they didn't mean any of it. And so that's why you need to go to them and talk and find out what happened. And if it's just an incidental, something they didn't mean, something that you misunderstood, it's your glory. The glory is to overlook that and say, you know what? I'm not going to hold that against them. I see them as a good person. I've known them. I know they love me. And I'm just going to move on and not hold it against them.
0: And what a powerful, intimate moment that is with God when we can the power of the holy spirit overlook an offense because i can't do it in my flesh i can't do it in my strength it is a gift from god to be able to do that um i want to talk about exodus 14 14 i had an aha this year that i've never had so i had memorized it originally in nlt and it says um to let the lord your god go before you you only need to remain calm and then i saw it in niv and it says you only need to be still but then i looked at esv and i didn't like that one as much Mm. do you know what it says no it says be silent Let it be silent. And so how does that play into this? When is it time to let the Lord, your God go before you to fight your battle and to be silent?
2: That's why in Matthew 18, I I think the implication from Jesus when he teaches is it's a red letter passage that prayer is between there, because Mm -hmm. I think being silent means you need to sit and go. Did I go to them uh, after the first step when I went to them? Did I go with anger in my heart? Did I go with bitterness? Did I go with a teachable spirit? Did I go with restoration in mind? Mm. Or did I go with being right in mind? And so you've got to do some reflection. And so there is, some people want to do Matthew 18, like I was hurt on Friday and they're kicked out of the church by Sunday morning. Yes. You know, it doesn't, that's not how it works. There's Mm -hmm. this sense of how do we show patience Mm -hmm. and how do we walk?
0: bear with this. one another, bear with one another. That when you say that, like that, I love that phrase better than even patience. Cause bearing, I just think of the people that have done that for me in my life.
2: Yeah, I think what's interesting is the very next section of scripture deals with the parable of the unmerciful servant, which is, hey, how many times do we forgive? Seventy many times seven. What we don't understand in the process of dealing with sin in the church is my repentance, or I'm sorry, my forgiveness isn't dependent upon their repentance. Right. That I can forgive someone even though they've never repented. So am I going to the person who sinned against me and I've not forgiven them yet? Mm. Because wow. what if when I go to them and they say, I blew it. You're right. I did that. And we what are we going to say then? You're right. You did. Yeah, you know, right. darn right you did. Will you forgive me? I don't know about that yet. I don't know yeah. if I'm ready. So yeah. part of this is I had a senior pastor who committed adultery. And uh, I served with him for a long time. I went to that church partly because I believed in where the vision that God had given him was using him to accomplish. And about five years into that, he had an affair. I was very hurt. That's the second time that's happened to me in a church. And and he knew that. I was very hurt and offended. And it took me a while. Um, But I forgave him. Nine years later... I've been at this church now nine years. And actually, it's probably more than that. Like 12 years later, I get a phone call from him. So it's been 12 years. And he said, Kevin, I hurt you. I saw his name pop up on my phone. And I thought, I do not even believe this. In fact, when my wife came home, I said, you will never guess who called me today. And he called and he said, I blew it. I'm back in a church. Here's how. I I mean, I had already forgiven him. Yeah. But now what is reconciliation and restoration and repentance? Something beautiful has happened in that moment. And I've been able to tell people about what God is doing in his heart and God is receiving glory all these years later.
0: I just love that story. So as we close, I guess that's a great, that's a great note to end on. If you were to, we have somebody in the audience and they're really struggling, maybe they're in a marriage that they're not happy in and there's lots of offenses going back and forth. A friend has offended them. Maybe the church has offended, maybe there's church hurt in the past. I'm going to ask each of you to close with this. What would you practically and spiritually say to them to help them begin the process of true restoration?
1: I think the first thing would be to check your own heart, to get into the place of forgiveness yourself, to truly do self-examination, to see if there's anything that you're at fault for, that you need to apologize for, that you need to fix, that you need to make right. I think that's a Key thing, it's easy for us to point out other people's sins. It makes us feel better because if they're so terrible, then I'm not so bad. And we look at their percentage that they're a part of the problem and ignore ours. My first advice would be to look at yourself, get alone with God, pray, talk to a trusted friend, mature Christian, look at your own self. And then from that, figure out the person, the offense, and go have that conversation. Take them to coffee. Give them a phone call. Don't do it through text. Don't do it through social media. Talk to them voice to voice, face to face, and go have that conversation and just see how it goes.
0: Psalm 139, search me, oh God, and know my heart. Test me, and know my thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you. As you were saying that, that was the verse that immediately came to mind. Anything you'd close with?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I would echo what James said about what does it look like in that, and even in God's word there to go, oh God, help me see me. Help me see my role here. I would certainly say that. But the second thing that I think is killing the church is go. Mm. Not in 30 days, not in six months, Mm. not in a year, go. Believe the best that there are believers that want to look at you and go, I blew it. Even if you go and they don't, it doesn't mean the next one won't. I think we get tainted pretty quick and we go, see, it didn't work, so I'm never doing that again. No. Believe that the Holy Spirit is still at work. Believe that the Holy Spirit is reconciling relationships within the body because this body is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, it's the redeeming vehicle of the world. Yeah. And and how we interact with one another matters. I would just say, go. Go and sit with them.
0: And I think of your story that you just closed with. It's God's timeline that, that your old pastor, 12 years later... You, he's faithful. It's just not always in our time in that moment. Absolutely. Uh, well, thank you so much for uh, being here this week and for having these conversations. And this can be a very hard topic, but on the other side is something so beautiful. It's holiness. It's um, having eyes not for this world, but the world to come. And just, it looks different, doesn't it? Than what how the world tells us to handle things. It does. Yeah. Have a good week, everybody. We look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you for listening to Kingdom Conversations. We look forward to you joining us next week.